Hello, this is Elise. Today's episode is about a very special event that happened on May 20th called the Strawberry and Justice Festival. Hosted by the Food Systems Working Group, the festival happens every year in May. While online these past two years, the Strawberry Justice Festival is a beloved tradition on the UC Santa Cruz campus, focusing on sustainability and migrant farmworker justice. This year's festival featured musical performances, a cooking lesson, and two speakers, which I will be focusing on during this week's episode. Irene Juarez O'Connell, co-founder of the Campesinex Womb Care Project, and James Nakahara, who currently works for an organization called Kitchen Table Advisors. Both individuals focus on aiding the autonomy of farmers through economic support in the case of the womb care project through medical care, basic products of survival, and direct mutual aid. You will be hearing parts of the recorded speaker panel, which is available in its entirety on the Center for Agricology and Sustainable Food Systems page on the UC Santa Cruz website. First up on the speaker panel was Irene, who spoke a bit on the mission and accomplishments of the Campesinex Womb Care Project. Um, yes, I'm Irene or Irene Juarez O'Connell, and I am one half of the founders of uh, Campesinex Womb Care. And we provide womb care kits for indigenous farmworker women in Watsonville, California. Through this organization, which they founded a year ago alongside another organizer, 1,500 womb care bags have since been distributed throughout Santa Cruz and Monterey counties. A year ago when this project was started, COVID had already ravaged migrant farmworker communities, highlighting the already precarious health and safety conditions. Most farmworkers who are here in Watsonville in the Central Valley are um, indigenous coming from Southern Mexico, and most of them are recently arrived. They struggle to meet basic needs, they're living in deplorable housing conditions, and they're working in unsafe and harsh environments. Um, in addition, they don't have uh, health care, and most don't qualify for any social services due to their immigration status. They cannot afford to miss work even when they're sick. Um, and so, you know, as this term essential workers really emerged throughout this coronavirus um, pandemic, we, we realized that these most essential workers, the ones who put food on our tables for us to eat every day, are struggling to even get fed themselves and are forced to work in um, with very little protection. The COVID crisis has emphasized what we already know about the most essential workers in the most high-risk jobs, that they often are immigrants who have been displaced or forced to immigrate to the U.S. because of things like imperialist violence in their home countries. For example, according to National Nurses United, the largest U.S. nurse union, nearly a third of the nurses who have died of coronavirus have been Filipino, even though they make up just 4% of the nursing population. It's something that scholars as well as organizations like Amnesty International have called the three Ds. Migrant laborers are pushed into jobs that are dirty, dangerous, and difficult. This also has deep implications for reproductive justice. Farmworker life expectancy is only 48, 49 years old average. Um, so how 
you know, if we're thinking about this in the context of reproductive justice, if, you know, a woman is, uh, has that life expectancy, we know that there is definitely um, impacts on her reproductive health. What's complicated about reproductive justice for campesinas is that it's all tied up in capitalism and labor conditions. For example, Irene talked about two of the major needs being access to period products like pads, which are expensive and inaccessible, and complaints over frequent UTIs, because people working out in the fields are rarely afforded bathroom breaks. But reproductive justice also ties into a long historical legacy of racism against Latines. The U.S. performed countless forced sterilizations on indigenous and Puerto Rican women without their knowledge or consent. Today, medical racism is very much alive, and women, queer people, people of color are all systemically underdiagnosed or simply denied care. This is especially complicated with immigration status, a lack of documentation posing a burden of restrictions on people who need care. In Irene's words, Reproductive justice is generational work. A lot of the work their organization focuses on is providing campesinas with packages with things like soap, bandanas, masks, menstrual products, tea, and cash. Much of the medicine, including salves, are made by the organizers themselves, who focus on an approach to care that is decolonial, deindustrialized, and holistic. So the medicine making aspect is a very important aspect of this work. Um, it's, it's our response to an industrialized medical system that kind of, that doesn't take a holistic approach or doesn't understand the cultural background of the patient or understand the, the, the full picture. So a lot of the approach that we take has to do with accessing, tapping into the ancestral and indigenous wisdom that we're familiar with, that, that the campesinos themselves are familiar with. Um, we also, being a collective of um, mostly femmes, women, non-binary folks, we, we thought it was important to work with moon cycles. We're working with, um, you know, making medicines around the new moon, and, and then we're doing our distributions around the full moon. Later in the presentation, James Nakahara spoke a bit about his own family background, which also has historic ties to migrant worker justice. Nakahara's grandparents were Japanese-American farm workers in Salinas before Japanese-Americans were incarcerated into concentration camps following an executive order made by President Roosevelt during World War II. James talked about his mother's own struggles with childbearing while being incarcerated. My grandmother was sick, not healthy. Um, there were a lot of um, issues with childbirth during their time in camp uh, for a lot of people. And Juanita was um, heard the story and was like, you're going to sneak food in. You're going to break the rules to make sure that she has food. Um, and so they, Juanita and Vernon, were able to sneak in more vegetables, more produce um, that they were growing in their garden to help support my grandmother's health while she was pregnant with my uncle, um, who was born healthy thanks to the quality of the, you know, the food and, and, the, and the care um, that they were able to get from, from having some allies outside of the um, you know, internment. 
Nakahara also talked about his work for an organization called Kitchen Table Advisors. A lot of the work surrounding this organization focuses on economic power for working class farm workers through things like grant funding and fully forgivable loans. The work that that we do at Kitchen Table Advisors is less prescriptive and more like uh, relationship driven. So, you know, we provide services to help with like record. We, we want to help shore up. We trust farmers to be farmers and we want to help them with the like the business end of things, record keeping, taxes, access to capital. And a lot of farmers, either because they have, um, you know, their immigration status is, is questionable or because um, of how they identify and the systemic barriers that have existed, are, it's hard for them to want to reach out to connect to some of these resources. We are specifically oriented to help um, communities that represent marginalized demographics, women, people of color, LGBTQ, um, those are the folks that we want to help support because um, due to many, many things, but, um, you know, capitalism, systemic oppression, there are a lot of extra barriers for access for those folks. That's it for this episode on the Strawberry Injustice Festival. If you want to find ways to follow and support the work of the Campesinex Wound Care Project, their Instagram account is at Campesinex, C-A-M-P-E-S-I-N-X, Wound Care. Thank you for listening. This is Elise signing off.